0: The story of the, the, the world and the gospel and how we fit into it. That was beautiful. I love that. A work, we are a God's work of art, all of this, and we get to enjoy God this morning in the house of the Lord. We, we're going to sing our praises. We're going to enjoy um, fellowshipping together with Holy Communion. And we're going to have a good time in the Lord this morning. It's good to see everybody here. And I just want to once again thank all the the servants and the hard workers that came out yesterday and invested in the church, those that were able to make it. You came out and you worked hard, and we got a lot accomplished. So we really, really appreciate your investment there. We all benefit from that. Well, today is a communion Sunday, and usually on communion Sundays, I change it up a little bit from our study in Revelation to study in Ecclesiastes, uh, Revelation has a lot to do with the heavens and the spiritual realm. Ecclesiastes is all about life right here on earth for the most part. And, um, but I'm going to change it up even a little bit more this morning and just take a different route. And I want to talk about church membership. Now, following the service, we will have uh, some families come forward to join the church. But That's not why I'm speaking on this topic. I'm going to capitalize on that opportunity but the reason I'm speaking on this topic is because uh, this topic has come up in our leadership meetings several times for the last uh, several months, actually. And um, we're, we're kind of realizing that when it comes to church membership, this church has been inconsistent. I have been inconsistent. Because there are times when it seems to be emphasized and held in high importance... And there are other times where you, you don't hear a word about it. And so you get mixed messages. Is there some, some of you might think membership. You have a membership? Do we have a membership? Sometimes we emphasize it and sometimes we don't. So there's, there's just been an inconsistency. And, you know, you can get away with that for a while. Um, but there comes times where, where you have to just look at the church and say, okay, wh- why does it really matter? Um, why? Is it something that's important? And the most important question is, where does the Bible stand in this position? You know, we want to be scriptural. We want to be obedient to the Lord. So what does the Bible have to say about that? And through the ages, you know, at New Covenant Fellowship, we just haven't really, um, yeah, we haven't landed, honestly, on this issue. And there's, there's good reasons for that, I think. Um, when you talk about church membership, sometimes it's a little bit prob- uh, problematic. People want nothing to do with it. Uh, one of the reasons might be because of it's, it can be abusive. You can have people who love control. You can have leaders, unfortunately, who love to be in powerful positions and impose that upon others and, and uh, use Bible passages in unbiblical ways. It can be used to promote legalism. It can be used to promote personal agendas. Uh, it can also be used to give people a false sense of holiness, a false sense of belonging, just because they maybe took a class and signed a paper, and now they think that they're a prominent member or a biblical member of the body of Christ, and that's not always the case. So we have to, we have to take these things into, our, into account. It can be used for bad, not always for good, a New Covenant Fellowship, if I remember correctly, um, was founded in a time when the church, for the most part, the church, uh, the mainline denominations, membership was more of a of a matter of um, having your name on a list, and, and but not living a Christian life, not really investing in the church. But people thought that, well, I'm a member of this church, and I can even get to heaven or, or there was just a lot of certain perks that people thought just because their name was on a list. So other churches kind of, you know, push back on that. That's not what membership is. And so for a while there, it just was not really emphasized. It wasn't held in high esteem. Some things were lost because it wasn't properly followed out. But the, the thing for our purposes this morning is um, that we will get into, but is it biblical? That's what we want to wrestle with. What does God have to say about it? What is my part? I'm getting a little bit of feedback uh, up here. I don't know if, if you guys can hear that. Okay, good. You can't hear it. Um, so anyway, I, uh, for centuries, just until, say, the 19th century, really, but and the 20th, but for centuries, church membership, wow, it was held in uh, high importance, it was a big deal, not just name on a paper, but it was a big deal to say, I belong to this church. When we were on family vacation this, last, this, this summer, um, Grammy and Grampy were there, and they happened to have an old hymnal. I, I only saw it once. I don't know if it was an old Baptist hymnal, Methodist, some, some hymnal. It was old. And uh, I think they brought it to, to sing some hymns, but um, I struck up a conversation with Pastor Kirk and was kind of wrestling with telling, sharing my thoughts, wrestling with membership, you know, what, what's the importance of it? You see the pros and cons of it. So we had a good conversation. Then he said, oh, by the way, if you get a chance sometime, uh, read this. And he went to the back page of the hymnal, and on the very back page was a church covenant. And I read that church covenant, and I was kind of blown away. By this, And I want to share that with you. And as I read this, um, I want you to listen because it's very, it's very passionate, it's very zealous. Uh, and that's appealing to me. But just in, in your own mind, just rhetorically, test and see how much of this is actually scriptural. Like, could something like this be backed up in scripture? So let me read this for you. Having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, we do now in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We engage... Therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. I'm just getting started here. I got a little bit of... Can't do anything with it? Okay. I'll pretend it's not there. We also engage to maintain family and secret devotions, to religiously educate our children, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment, to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger and to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember each other in prayer, to aid each other in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and courtesy in speech, to be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay." We moreover engage that when we remove from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and principles of God's word. So I read that and I was like, whoa. Now I liked it. I think it's very zealous. There's, there's just all this commitment in there. That, that pledge has certainly a high view of Scripture, a high view of God, a high view of uh, what Christ has done and is doing in the church, I would venture to say that if every believer had that kind of mindset, um, we would all be better off, and the churches would be better off. So it's absolutely passionate, um, it's zealous, but is it biblical? As I read through that, personally, I, I could attach you either direct scriptures or strong application of other scriptures I could pull them in in almost every sentence almost everything that was said so I think um, that it is a very biblical covenant that that it flies that it honors scripture now I will say in fairness that I cheated a little bit and I edited one sentence out of it so that when I was reading it you wouldn't hear that sentence and then half you'd be turned off and, and tune me out the rest of the time And the sentence that I edited out of that church covenant was uh, towards the end, and it said also, to abstain from the sale and use of intoxicating drinks as a beverage. (laughs) I didn't cut that out because I like to get drunk. It wouldn't hurt my feelings if that was in there. But if we're going to be fair, is that in the Bible? No. Uh, But what that does show is that was a culture, this was written in a time where that was a cultural struggle for the church. You know, it, 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 you had prohibition, you had the whole concept of alcohol, and, and, um, and it, it shows how even in the midst of, I think, a, a beautiful document, man can, can insert his thoughts in there. I think it's a perfect example of that. And that's saying something that's going a little overboard and saying something that Scripture doesn't say. But So I think that's a great example. Tucked right in there in that powerful covenant are what I would say man's wishful or hopeful words or additions to Scripture. So my goal for today, and I'm going to... I might be talking a little fast because I want to pack a lot in. So forgive me if I do that. But um, my goal for today is to answer the questions, is church membership biblical? What does it look like and what does it look like here at New Covenant? fellowship I won't answer all your questions I might uh, I might provoke more questions than I answer but this is a I think it's is a good start by the way I've I've entitled it church matters pun intended but um, in case I have to do this again this kind of randomly speak on something I'll just pull it under this topic of church matters because it's a church matter and uh, we'll take it from there So first is church membership biblical. Now I want to read a passage, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 31. It's lengthy, but it's important. I want to read all of it. And uh, as I read it, just take note of how many times the word member is used and how it's used in this biblical teaching. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. These are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. But God has so composed a body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no divisions in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed In the church, first apostles and second prophets and third teachers and then miracles and then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers. Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. Now that was a lot to take in, but this is with the context of church membership. We could Take a lot of rabbit trails on that passage. But in verse 18, let me just repeat 18 and 19. God arranged the members in the body, each one of us, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? So is membership biblical? At least in this context, it's absolutely biblical. Uh, the word member there is used, and it's, it's a metaphor. He uses the physical body. We have literal physical Body members that make up the whole—that's the metaphor. There are the symbolism. Um, it, It's—they it, are body parts. Uh, the body parts are there to function in specific ways. Not all body parts do well. It's hard to try to get your foot to do what your hands can do, and so forth. And so God strategically uh, works that same concept in how He designs individual believers. Or people that he pulls into the church. It's it's a specific design. So each member is, by God's power, designed to function in a specific way that builds up or serves the whole unit. The idea is that he arranges them as he chooses, but of course it's what works best or points uh, to his glory. So the idea is that the individual members, uh, a hand on its own without a body to be attached to, what good is it? See, it's it's specifically designed to function very well and serve very well in the context of all the members together functioning in that way. So you can't have a body without members, and you can't have members without a body. They are absolutely interdependent By God's design. As a matter of fact. I think. That it could be said. That technically speaking. You don't have to join a church. Because. Or the body of Christ. Because you're already joined. To the body of Christ. If I understand this passage correctly. When you profess. Or put your faith in Christ. And you become an authentic believer in Jesus, part of that transition is that you have been not just taken out of evil into light or darkness into light and goodness, you have been placed into the family of God. And you may not have known it. You may not have even consciously made that decision. It was made for you. God arranges these things. It's God's plan. And when we, we come on board with God, when we follow after Christ and become his disciple, we are following his plan and all of his commandments. And that's one of them, is that when, when you become a believer, you actually are already part of what we would call the church universal, the body of Christ. So that in that sense, uh, you, we're not even really asked what our opinion of is when we come to Christ. Would you care to be a member of the other people that I have also exercised my grace upon? He just says, you're in, and this is what it means to be in the body of Christ. So, every authentic believer is a member of what I'll call the church universal, the body of Christ. And that's what we plainly see in, I think, this teaching uh, in, of Paul's. So, in 12.12, he says, for just as one, as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, all Though our many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. So everyone in the body is purchased or bought by the blood of Christ, redeemed by the blood of Christ, and taken into his household, the scripture calls it, uh, the family of God, the church of God, the ecclesia, the gathered saints, and it's for the purpose because we are now one. We're one, of, one in Christ and now we're one in one another. We have become um, spiritual, intimate, redeemed members of the church of Jesus Christ. And it, and Paul makes it clear that even uh, so-called lesser members or uh, what we might call the supporting muscles, if you do fitness, you know how important supporting muscles are. You need the 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 less glamorous muscles, the muscles that you may not even know you have, to make the glamour muscles look good. But all in the body, it's all important. Uh, just a little tendon, a little cart- cartilage, all of these things play a huge uh, significance in making the body unit what it's designed to be. That is to say that every authentic believer has absolutely has a very significant purpose in the body of Christ. There's, like, there's no such thing in the body of Christ as a believer that has no purpose, no function. Because this is God's work as God chooses. He arranges, he inserts, he builds, he equips, he empowers to do these things. Though we all have work to do. We all function in some way. In Colossians one eighteen, and he is the head of the body, the church. So now you have the body and the church, the, the metaphors, um, in the same breath. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So Christ is the head of the church. The church isn't the head of Christ. We don't, the members don't tell what the head of the body is going to do. It all trickles down from Christ who is Preeminent. So, I, I think, simply put, clearly, uh, biblically, irrefutably, by Christ's uh, divine plan, and he is that, that uh, if you are an authentic believer, you are already a member of the church universal as God sees it. So, second, well, what does that look like? What about what we would call uh, the church local? We have the church universal that consists of all believers, but what about the church local, the ones that are close to me? Does that apply, or how does it apply? Well, I think that the church local, if we begin to narrow it down now from universal, absolutely applies and is a part of the church universal plan because... When you read the scriptures, uh, you read the commands that are given to believers, individual members of the body. They are applied and lived out with one another. They're applied and lived out by locking arms or locking shields or whatever, however you want to call it, together in order to function as the one unit that Christ wants us to function as. So in other words, a lot of the... Uh, the, the way that this is lived out in real life is not though there are believers in other parts of the world, I have no proximity to them. I can't obey the commands of God with, with people overseas. Um, there's no intimacy. There's no relationship. And Scripture's all about um, the togethers or the one another relationship. And so in order to do that, you've got to find like-minded people, you have to find other believers to live out your Christian life. And that would be what we would call the, um, the church local. No matter where we are, we live out our Christianity in the context of Christian community. Those to whom we are already joined with in Christ that by God's decision. So we can't really even obey a lot of the Scriptures unless we are together with other believers. So for instance, we have Romans 12.16, live in harmony with one another. Uh, 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. 12.19, outdo one another in showing honor. Colossians 3.13, forgive one another. So all of these commands in Scripture have the pretext that you're with one another. You're fellowshipping, you're doing the Christian life, you're you're learning about God together, you're applying what He says with each other. Unfortunately, we're offending each other. We're also doing wrong, which gives us an opportunity to do right with each other and to, to conform to the beautiful laws and commands of God. Now, these are just a, a few examples. There are so many examples of the one another's in Scripture. But I've never been offended, seriously offended, by a believer that I've never met or have never known. Uh, the, the, the forgiveness part doesn't apply to that person. It applies to the people that I do know. It applies to the people that I'm rubbing shoulders with. Um, and so then I have an opportunity, because none of us are perfect, we have lots of opportunity to forgive each other. And so I have an opportunity to apply biblical wisdom and biblical obedience as I fellowship with other believers, as do you. As do you. So the point is every authentic believer, I would say, by God's perfect design, is a member of his body, his blood bought, purchased body. And it's the church universal. And this membership is carried over into the church local where we actually have the face-to-face, hand-to-hand, shoulder-to-shoulder, word-to-word relationships. That's where we apply the church universal connection in our local Christian community. Now that's to say that we're committed to each other. Why? Because we're committed to Christ. That's where it starts. We're committed to each other because we're committed to Christ. He's preeminent. And because he's preeminent, we cling together as the family of God. He made us. And because we are Christ's, we have obligations. We have lots of obligations. We have obligations to our families. Uh, physical families, biological families. We have obligation to our government. We have obligation to our, our nations and our neighbors. And we have obligations to our brothers and sisters that consist of the local church in which we are planted. Now, God does give us the freedom to choose what local church we want to attend. We're already members of the Church Universal he does give us freedom. Now he gives us guidelines. Of course, we want to be wise about what church body we become a member of. We want to make sure it's biblical, and that we can grow there, that we have our purpose there, that it honors the Lord. But he gives us the freedom to make that decision. And in our country, there are lots of churches to choose from. There are lots and lots of opportunities to uh, pray about this and pick what church you think God would have you to join, because once you join it 's a commitment. The commitment already exists in scripture now we just are choosing to live it out. so I want to give um, I want to give a, a few more examples of scriptural proof of why this is the case and why the church universal that we 're already members of is applied in a local body way and it's by God's design and there are a lot of scriptures to pull from and I'm not even going to read some of these I'm going to assume that you know them just for the sake of time or we'll never get out of here but one one example is church discipline and this is Jesus's words in Matthew 18 and he talks about the offended brother and you know we have obligations to resolve disputes within one another but sometimes that doesn't work Sometimes we get heated or it's just complicated and Jesus says take it to the church. The the ecclesia, the gathered saints. And there's an assumption there that Jesus has that you are a part of a church, right? It's just assumed because that's, that's the very plan and that's the process. Things are hammered out in our Christian life and in our Christian community by taking things to the church. And the church would of course be the members that God has put in place here that's where your Christian life takes place the local church so it's not the business of every church in town if there's a conflict in this church it's not the business of every pastor every leader every other church member in the county it's the business of this church the local body here and it describes therefore a definable group of people that we, we can say yes you are a part of us, or I don't even know that person, where they come from? So It's definable. You can put your finger on a governed group of believers. 1 Corinthians 12, we read that within the members, God actually gifts and appoints certain people to function in ways. You have leaders, you have administrators, you have teachers, you have helpers, you have people who can pray well. We're given gifts to do things well to serve God's purpose and We're coming together and we're submitting ourselves and enjoying each other's God-given gifts and grace that He has given to the body of Christ. So All of this is applied within a close-knit family or Christian community. Another example, 1 Corinthians 5, 12-13, and there's such a thing as church discipline but also excommunication. And he says for the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians, for what... Have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So Paul is saying, look, this person is in your church, your local expression of the body of Christ. And in order to keep the church holy, you have got to, if this person's not repentant, you've got to expel this person or excommunicate this person. For the sake of the purity of the church. And the way that's done. Is by in a sense drawing lines. There are those that are inside. Those that are outside. It's definable. It's governable. You can identify these. So you see how. It's kind of starts out out there. And it gets more and more personal. More and more relational. We get more and more accountable. To one another. In our responsibilities. To function as the body of Christ. It, it is a very intimate local thing. Another example is submission to leaders in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. The author of Hebrews says, Obey your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. So he is literally telling believers to submit themselves to your leaders. You have leaders. Those leaders would be the ones that uh, are the heads or leading the local body of Christ that you became a member of, that you joined yourself to. And they're accountable as well. So you see, by God's design, it works from all these different angles and functions this way. But there has to be, in order to, function like this what it boils down to is there has to be some kind of legitimate official agreement that yes i'm your leader or yes you are my leader i'm a part of this body you see because there's an inside there's an outside there's there's those that we're responsible for and there's those that we're not necessarily responsible for as a family and as a group it, it It comes down to, in some way, form or fashion, whether it's a handshake, whether it's a pat on the back, whether it's reciting a church covenant, uh, there has to be a definable moment or way where we are uh, clear that we're connected. We're clear that we are in the same body of Christ. And we're going to apply God's commands and live out in a Christian community together. You know, are you... Team NCF or not? Are you still thinking about it? Or you know, Where are we in all of this? But you see, in a practical matter, there, there is a way and a definable moment where we have to make these kind of decisions because that is absolutely scriptural. And how we do it, I think, is probably up to us. Um, but it is scriptural. Something was done in the early church and all through the ages. Some of it may have been different. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 let us consider how to stir one another up toward love, and good, work, uh, love good, and good works. Let us not neglect the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. There is this assumption here that it's neglectful to not gather together. We're, we are to identify with particular people. Church is not any more optional than All of these commands that we read in Scripture. That's how we do church. It's how we do the Christian life whenever possible. It is to be lived out in the context of the body of believers. And we we make a commitment to one another. We become responsible for one another. Another example, Acts 20.28 Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So it's the Holy Spirit that is doing all of this. He is the one that is building or making disciples. He's the one that's gifting people. He's raising up individuals, and in this case, leaders or overseers of the church of God. And he's putting them in charge of people that he purchased with his own blood. That's a big position. That's a lot of responsibility. And they are told to watch over the flock. So now, if, if you're a leader and you're hearing that, you would want to know, well, who is my flock? Like, th- there has to be boundaries. There has to be guidelines. Uh, if you're responsible for your physical family and your kids and you're always over-serving somebody else's family, your family will not appreciate that. So there's there's guidelines here. There are limitations. There are restrictions. And of course, they're put there, I would say, by God. To back that up, 1 Peter 5 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So again, it's the flock. What flock, God? The ones that are among you, the ones who I've sent to you to oversee it's this organic living body of Christ that the Holy Spirit is infusing power and, and enablement to and drawing and willing and, and God is uh, getting his will God's kingdom is being done his will is being done through all of this activity of the Holy Spirit as we're led and we're wooed and and, and God moves on our hearts to serve in this way or to say this or to pray in this way all the things that we do Sunday after Sunday in our service, I would say they're Holy Spirit-led. We we have people in positions, unique positions, specific positions, and others who aren't because we've prayed through it, either as leaders or as the body of Christ. Because maybe God has moved on your heart to serve in a certain way. And it's this dynamic here. But there's got to be some kind of declaration, some kind of agreement for those who have Come under the care of the overseers and the shepherd. So I would say, again, in some way it has to be official. In some way we have to declare ourselves to each other. Signature, handshake, pat on the back, give us your credit card number, whatever it is that you want to to, to show your commitment to each other there. If it's a hearty amen to a statement that's read. You see? So that's what as churches we have to decide and and wrestle with. What's the best way to apply this? What's the best way to make this official? Because our, our local church is an expression of the church universal, which is an expression and the representation of God Himself. So I can't answer for how other churches um, do it the way that we have done it is you take a class. And we call it a covenant class. And again, we have been inconsistent. Uh, that means we've been inconsistent. What that means is that we have people who have served or even are serving in even prominent positions that have not taken an official covenant class because it wasn't offered at the time. But I do want to say this. Though we've been inconsistent, We haven't been completely in error. Because from the very beginning, the matter was more of the formality of membership. It was never about we didn't take the commitment of the body of Christ seriously. Never been that. This church has always taken these commands and the one another's very seriously. Uh, We've emphasized the responsibility and the loyalty and the care and the self-sacrifice We've emphasized being the body of Christ. We're New Covenant Fellowship, for crying out loud, right? We are the fellowship of the saints. This is what they decided was the the name of the church when they first started. So the commitment, it's always been there. It's not like that was a slack. Where we were inconsistent is how exactly do we apply it? You know, how do you declare yourself? How do you become a a member? That's where I think that's what I hope we're going to um, improve as a result of where God has us um, now so what do I mean by membership if you talk about new covenant membership I mean what God means I mean what I just read it's not like something that we come up with well it looks like this I want it to mean all the scriptures that God gives us I mean most of the New Testament are epistles that are written to local assemblies. Now, they're disseminated between, by the, uh, to the church universal, but they are written to local churches who have unique problems. Not all of the local churches have the same problems or the same strengths. And we get to glean from all of the wise words that God has given to these local churches. So what is, lastly, what does this mean for us um, you know, in New Covenant Fellowship? Do we think church membership is biblical? Yeah. I don't know how we couldn't see church membership as something that's biblical. Do we see it as something that's important and worthy of our attention? Absolutely. We've always thought along these terms. It's, absolute, it's a vital means um, to receive the grace of God. I like what John Piper says. He says, church membership is a blood-bought gift of God's grace. More than most of us realize, it is a life-sustaining, faith-strengthening, joy-preserving means of God's mercy to us. I urge you not to cut yourself off from this blessing. Now, I want to close with some um, very practical Questions. So, can I be a Christian but not be a member of a local church? Yes, you can. You could be, I've been a Christian and not a member of a local church. That happens. Uh, you, you don't ever know where you're going to be when you become a Christian. Uh, membership doesn't make you a Christian. Again, you're already a Christian. You're only a member because you're a Christian. And you've got to be an authentic member, a Christian, to be a member. So, it's not like one. Creates the other. It's like baptism. It's an expression of what God has already done in your heart. There, but the idea is that once we are believers, we're we're trusting in God, and we can pray for each other that God would draw us to a local body. There are plenty of people here. When somebody comes to this church, they have said, "You, this may not be the church for you." We hope it is, but this may not. And we're praying for you to find the right church. It's not like we're we want everybody to come to this church. That's not God's plan. But we want everybody to be able to receive the grace of God and, re- and receive the benefits and the blessings of what it really looks like to be in the family of God. And, and we also have you know, exceptions where you have missionaries and church planners. How can you be part of a local church when you just went into a territory of people where there is no church within a thousand miles? It's an exception. But those people usually, or if you're a church planner, missionary, whatever, you're sent by a local church, people who loved you and were in agreement with you and wanted to advance the gospel and they say, yeah, I'll put towards that. I'll invest towards that. So membership is, is I hope we can see it's, it's God's design. It's not man's design. And it's something that you—you you, you, the individual member really has to see for himself or herself and own it. This is what God is speaking to me. It can't, it's, it would be really awkward to try to impose it on anybody. You have to do this or you have to do that. You have to, uh, you have to see it. This is what Scripture says, and therefore I'm going to obey it. And it comes a lot better coming from God than any, any human. What if, my, what if, another question, what if I'm already committed in serving, it, say, at New Covenant Fellowship, and I've never officially joined? Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Thank you. Thank you for serving. And we do have people like that um, in our midst. It just you didn't have an opportunity. It was never required of you. The formalities of it. But again, the commitment, being a mature, obedient Christian, uh, fulfilling any biblical requirements to serve in positions, all of that has always been in place. We did not skip on that. But if you didn't do the formality, because we didn't have our act together at that particular time, you're, you're a member of the church. You have serving. You're just. You're obeying scripture. in how you have invested. In the local body of Christ. Do you need to do anything different? Uh, we haven't really even landed on that yet. Probably not. We might have some official thing. Where we pat you on the back or something. I don't know. Haven't gotten that far. But um, that's how. That's where we are. Um, so what about grandfathering? Well. It is a huge blessing to have our children, our families, to raise them in this church, and then they become adults, and they or teenagers, and then adults, and they want to continue to come to New Covenant Fellowship. It's an, it's a huge blessing for us to see that, and so we ha- we do have once um, ki- ki- kids that are now adults, and they come to New Covenant, and they are functioning as committed members, serving us very well, but they haven't officially. They're still under mom and dad's wings. They're under mom and dad's commitment to the church. And that works. And you can be grandfathered that way. Now, our thinking is that when you become an adult and you're not, you're, you move away or you come out of mom and dad's house, you're your own individual. You have your own household. You're responsible for yourself. So it would be good at some point, since you're a, a new family, so to speak, if you get married, or whatever. Now you're a new family. There's a new head of household, and it would be good at some point to say, uh, you know, I never did this on my own. I want to commit and officially commit new covenant fellowship. So that might be a way how how that works. If you're not if you haven't done that yet, there's grace in all of this. None of it's legalistic. We don't have timelines in place you can come to this church for x months and if you're not a member we suggest you go somewhere else it's not that at all people have come to this church before uh, and loved it first time i love this church how do i join you know what i tell them don't join yet because you don't know who we are after just one one worship service and this is a big commitment right You want to know who you're joining yourself to. It's not just coming for the frills. You're committing your lives. You're making personal sacrifices. You're saying, I'm going to forgive this person or I'm going to give towards this. I'm going to meet these different needs. I'm going to serve. I'm going to obey the Lord. That's a big deal. So I usually say, just come and enjoy it for a while and continue to ask the Lord and pray. And if this is what God wants, surely in the months to come, uh, it will come to pass. So God arranged the members of His body, each one of them, as He chooses. Another question, almost to the end here. What if I'm not a member? What if I just am still deciding? Can I still attend? Absolutely. Absolutely you can attend. You can be a part of us. You can serve in any way that that Scripture allows you to serve. You can uh, reap the benefits from other people's ministry. We can reap the benefits of your ministry Uh, You can seek our counsel. You can serve, participate in many, many ways. Uh, Membership is not designed to drive people out. It's designed to draw people in. So we want to exercise grace in that. You might be searching. You might be undecided. There's just a lot of different scenarios there. So where this uh, rubber meets the road and why we have to hammer out these kind of things as church leaders is because there are positions... Um, in church. There are lots of ways to serve, but there are positions that I think require a membership. Like, need, these are for the people who have said, yes, I am committed to you. I've heard from God, I'm committed to you, and I'm, I'm going to stick here unless God tells me different. In other words, you can count on me and you can depend on me. Every church has positions that require dependence and trustworthiness. So, if we um, say... Uh, taking up the offering you know do you have to be a member in order to uh, at least be in charge of that well we think as leaders yeah because you you have our money in your hands and that's a requires a lot of trust and a lot of maturity so we want as as shepherds we want to make sure the people who are doing that can do it well and are trustworthy and are committed to this body They're going to be here to do it when the time is done. You see, that's how it works and that's how it functions. Um, We have said that if you're going to teach Sunday school that you need to be a member. We need to know you're with us. We need to know that you understand our doctrine and you're not going to teach things that are outside of our doctrine. Those require going through a covenant class and understanding what you're getting yourself into. We take your children responsible. We're not just going to let anybody go down there and teach Sunday school. And, and so I think that falls within the umbrella of membership. Of course, any kind of leadership position, um, you know, right now, Bible study leaders, if, you, if you're representing a church, if you have your community thing, that's one thing. But if you're representing New Covenant Fellowship, then you represent us and we want you to represent us well. We want to know that you're committed to us and you're with us. Uh, at this point, worship team requires church membership because worship team, in a sense, it's it's one of the glamour muscles, not one of the supporting muscles. You're right up here in front of everybody. You are representing our church uh, to do that. So there's a certain lifestyle that needs to come into conformity of the standards of scriptures in our church. So these are the real life things we have to hammer out. Uh, I can't say that we do it perfectly. I can say we sure try to do it well. But it's because of these kind of things that we have to dig into Scripture. Say, what does the Bible say? What does God think about it? And I trust that, though this may have not answered all your questions, it at least puts us in the ballpark. And it is the beginning, I hope, of being consistent, consistent and arguably more biblical in our church life. We certainly want to please the Lord. And I hope and, and pray that uh, even just a reminder of God's plan for the church will invigorate our hearts and invigorate our body life. Uh, the, the, the body of Christ is a very worthy of investment. Our time and our resources, I can't think of a better place to put them. Uh, if I was in Nottaway County looking for a church, I'd come to New Covenant Fellowship. So may God bless the preaching of his word.